But for our passage this morning, we're looking at uh, John 6, verses 35 through 40. Uh, and this is where Jesus says, uh, I am the bread of life, or the living bread. Uh, and to give a little bit of background, uh, just before this, uh, <clears throat> Jesus had just fed 5,000 men uh, and even more women and children. And the crowds continued to follow Jesus uh, because he gave them food. Uh, and then there's an exchange between Jesus and the crowd uh, where uh, Jesus tells them to work for the bread that doesn't perish, uh, but that endures to eternal life. He tells them that God the Father gives bread from heaven, which will give life to the world. Uh, and then the crowd asks Jesus, they say, give us this bread always. And this is what Jesus is responding to when he says, I am the bread of life. Uh, so on the one hand, Jesus is uh, using a metaphor of this living bread uh, to teach people about himself. Uh, but more than that, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, Jesus is emphasizing that Jesus himself is what his people need, uh, not something external to him, like his miracles or the things he could do for the crowd. Uh, so if there's one thing I want us to come away with this morning, uh, it's that Jesus is abundantly sufficient to satisfy our deepest hunger. He's enough to meet our deepest need. Uh, Jesus is more than enough to meet the deepest need of the people of the Yakima Reservation and of the Warm Springs Reservation where I work. Uh, and he's more than enough to meet your deepest need. To show us this, Jesus says two things about whoever comes to him. Uh, first, he says that they will never hunger and never thirst. And second, he says that he will never cast them out. And to prove these things, Jesus says uh, that he has come down to us. Uh, that before anyone comes to Jesus, he is the one who has come near. So let's read the passage, uh, then look at those three things. Uh, John 6, verses 35 through 40. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that the Father has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Uh, so the first thing that Jesus says about whoever comes to him is that they will never hunger. Uh, this presumes that there is a hunger, uh, and that's a safe thing to say about any person. Every person hungers because the world isn't the way that it's supposed to be. The world is broken, and the circumstances of our own lives are messed up. And we ourselves are not yet everything that we were meant to be. Uh, for the crowds that were following Jesus, uh, the different people in the crowd had different needs. But one thing that they had in common was that they were all living under uh, Roman oppression in a society that viewed them as subhuman. Uh, they were vulnerable uh, to exploitation and they had little protection. They were hungry for a king who would restore the kingdom of Israel and give them the protection they needed. That's why right before the story, the crowd was about to try to take Jesus by force and make him their king. For the people of the Yakima Reservation and the Warm Springs Reservation uh, and many other tribal communities, the hunger is clear. There's widespread hopelessness, 
poverty, violence, and neglect that pervade the lives of many people in these communities. Maybe some of you have served with Sacred Road on the Yakima Reservation or, or in Warm Springs, uh, and you know what it's like in those places. Uh, but for those of you who haven't, I'm just going to lay out some things uh, to give you a little bit of a picture. Uh, so Native American women and girls are seven times as likely uh, to go missing or be murdered compared with the general population. Over 84% of Native women and girls have experienced or will experience uh, physical or sexual assault in their lifetime. About 75% of the youths in the town of White Swan on the Yakima Reservation are functionally homeless. All of the people connected to our ministry have been affected in some way by the impact of alcohol and substance abuse. By some counts, the life expectancy on the Yakima Reservation is just 39 years. Native American people are four times more likely to die by suicide compared with the general population. And less than 5% of Native Americans know Jesus and the hope of his gospel. There is a deep need and a deep hunger. And what are you hungry for? They don't have to just be the big things that you think will heal the brokenness of the whole world. The things that you're hungry for may also be smaller things that you catch yourself thinking, well, if this were different or if I had this, uh, my life would be all right. Maybe you're hungry uh, for entertainment because being entertained has become a surrogate for all the connection and purpose that's been missing from your life. Maybe it's your career that you think if you can get into a great school or get a great job, uh, your life will be okay. Maybe it's your physical or mental health that you're so tired of living with your health challenges. And if they would go away, your life wouldn't be perfect, but it would be okay. The good news is that whatever you're hungry for, Jesus invites you to come to him. And even though this is good news, it can also be hard for us to receive because Jesus isn't talking about just coming to him in a generic sense. Now, the crowds, they came to Jesus, uh, but they wanted to see more miracles. They wanted to make him king so he could fix their problems. But when Jesus talks about coming to him, he isn't saying that he will give us the list of things we're hungry for. When Jesus invites us to come to him, he's inviting us to realize that our deepest hunger is for him. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he is saying that he is the only one who can satisfy the deepest desire of our hearts. And Jesus' invitation to those who hunger isn't just that he's one item on a long buffet table. It's that Jesus himself, all of who he is for his people and all of his work for us, is the whole feast. Do you realize that whatever you're hungry for, more than you need that thing, you need Jesus himself. For all of the brokenness in the world, for all of the mess of our lives, and for all of our sinfulness and all of the ways that we hurt, our deepest need and our truest hunger is for Jesus. And when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst, that means that he is more than sufficient for that hunger. Whoever comes to me will never hunger describes the experience of the one who comes to Jesus. Uh, but the passage also says another thing about the one who comes to Jesus. It says, uh, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. This emphasizes Jesus' heart. 
toward hungry and thirsty people who come to him in their deep need, knowing that he is the only one who can satisfy that need. It also expands on what we're all actually hungry for when we hunger for Jesus. And I want to mention that in this section, uh, I'm indebted to Dane Ortland's book, uh, Gentle and Lowly, for some of the insights. Uh, but Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Think about the, word, the phrase cast out, thrown away, tossed aside like trash. A lot of the people on the reservation feel that way, historically, societally, culturally, in their families, and as individuals. Historically speaking, their land was stolen, and they were placed on remote reservations, tossed aside, and hardly ever thought about. They were told that their culture was worthless, that they didn't know how to care for the land or raise their own children, and their children and their land were taken away. Their children were taken away to boarding schools, where they were indoctrinated into a perverse mixture of Christianity and Western American culture, on top of being subject to severe physical deprivation and physical, emotional, and sexual abuse at those schools. And today, children on the reservation feel cast out when their parents desert them or when they experience neglect because their parents' relationship with a substance is more significant than their parents' relationship with them. They feel cast out when abuse teaches them, body and soul, that they are meant to be used and not loved. Youths on the reservation feel cast out when they're functionally homeless because no one wants them, and so they move from house to house. They feel cast out when their friends die early and violent deaths and leave them all alone. And many adults on the reservation who used to be these youths, who used to be these children, have learned deep in their being that they are cast out, thrown away, that that's who they are. And the good news for them and the good news for us is that Jesus will never, ever cast out any hungry, thirsty, hurting person who comes to him. The way I will never cast them out is phrased, uh, it's the strongest way in the Greek language to word it. It's not just that Jesus won't cast them out, uh, but it's that there's no possible world where Jesus could ever cast them out. For anyone who is needy and hurting and hungry, who comes to Jesus as the one they truly need, he will never, ever cast them out. In fact, they are embraced into God's family, and they are held secure in his love. So come to Jesus as you are with all of your sin, with all of your neediness, with all of your hopelessness and all of your brokenness, and find that Jesus meets your deepest need. This is what every human soul is truly hungry for, fellowship with God. Because to be in fellowship with God is to know a love that chooses you, that knows you to your deepest core, that unconditionally wraps you in its embrace, and that will never, ever let you go or throw you away. If you believe in Jesus, then this is yours. And I want us to think for just a second about how we can lean into God's love for us uh, now that the Christmas season is in full swing. So maybe you're someone who uh, loves everything about the holiday season. Uh, there's great food. You're surrounded by love of family and friends. Uh, you love the sense of wonder and anticipation. Uh, and the whole thing just represents everything that's right in the world to you. Um, 
Well, the good thing, the, everything that's good about the holidays is just a small but true picture uh, of God's goodness and his love for you. Uh, and I encourage you, uh, if that's you, to pay attention for the people whose experience of the holidays uh, is different from your own. And uh, open your hearts and your homes to them. Uh, because the Bible shows us that God moves to the margins. Uh, and when he moves to the margins, uh, he changes where the margins are. And the people who used to be marginalized are now the people who are at the center of his community. Um, but maybe you're someone who the holidays are hard for you. Uh, maybe you're facing your first Christmas uh, without a loved one that you lost this year. And you don't know how you're going to make it through. Or maybe you're someone who doesn't have the spouse or the kids. Uh, and you're dreading going through yet another Christmas season alone. Uh, and all the social media posts and all the advertisements make it seem like everyone has their someone. Uh, but you feel like you're not really someone to anyone. And every holiday season is just another reminder of just how empty your life can feel sometimes. Maybe your life does feel empty. But the fullness of God's love is already belongs to you in Jesus. You are not cast out or overlooked. God sees you. He moves toward you. And he embraces you in his love. And his desire for you is that his love would be like a well of water in your heart overflowing with life. This is God's heart toward everyone who comes to Jesus. That he will never cast them out. Uh, and the way that I just said that, it might make it seem uh, like uh, God's disposition toward you is the result of you coming to Jesus, uh, but it's actually the very opposite. Your ability even to come to Jesus is because of the love of God that chose you before the foundation of the world. What Jesus said right before he said, whoever comes to me I will never cast out is this. He said, all that the Father gives to me will come to me. You see, God's commitment to his people doesn't start when they believe in him. God has been fully committed to his people from the very beginning. And the people in the crowds that Jesus was speaking to should have known this because they were Israelites. They had just been talking uh, with Jesus about God giving their fathers manna in the wilderness. In the wilderness generation, uh, their fathers, they should have known uh, that when God covenant with, covenanted with them at Sinai to be their God, and for them to be his people, that God was fully committed to them. Uh, but they forgot quickly. They, they got tired of God's provision for them. And they said, we hate this worthless bread. But Jesus came down as the true bread from heaven, as the truest and fullest representation of God's heart for us. And he said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. This has always been God's heart toward his people. And he has shown that to us most clearly and most fully in the person of Jesus. And so Jesus invites everyone to come to him. But there's only one group of people uh, that Jesus says about them, let them come to me. And that group of people is children. Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Uh, and Jesus saying this was important enough uh, for all three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, to include. And at Sacred Road, uh, we do a lot of children's ministry, whether it's uh, summer kids clubs or church on Sunday or outreach events or after-school program. Uh, and when things are hard in the ministry, uh, one of the things that we always remind ourselves and remind each other uh, is that the, the kids are worth it. 
uh, all the labor we invest and all the sacrifices we make are worth it for the kids. Uh, in, our, in our ministry, uh, we've seen a lot of response among children. Uh, and it's not like we don't try uh, with the adults. Uh, but sometimes the adults, especially the older ones, uh, they have more of a collectivist mentality. Uh, and they think they can't associate with Jesus unless all of their people do. Uh, some other adults have already lost hope for themselves. Um, they feel like they're too far gone, but they still appreciate uh, what we do with the young people. Uh, and also culturally, uh, both in Warm Springs and on the Yakima Reservation, uh, people tend to see children as having a good intuition about people. And so having the children's trust actually goes a long way toward gaining the trust of the community. Uh, and as you know, uh, on the Yakima Reservation, uh, Sacred Road has a year-round presence uh, with Hope Fellowship, with our youth group, with our children's ministry, uh, and various uh, mercy ministries and outreach, uh, in addition to the one-week teams that we host in the spring and the summer. Uh, and also, like I mentioned uh, before the sermon, uh, Sacred Road also has summer teams on the Warm Springs Reservation uh, that we've had since 2007. Uh, and we've, we've always wanted to have a year-round ministry in Warm Springs, uh, but that hasn't happened just yet. And so we've continued to have summer teams on the Warm Springs Reservation for three or four weeks during the summer uh, ever since 2007. Uh, and just like our Yakima teams, uh, we have work projects uh, in the morning and early afternoon, and then we have kids club. Uh, and in Warm Springs, we do our kids clubs at the Warm Springs Boys and Girls Club. And so we're able to play with the kids. Uh, we're able to give them undivided attention. Uh, we're able to provide a safe environment uh, for them to just let their guard down and be kids uh, because they don't have safe places like that in a lot of their lives. Uh, and yeah, and we're able to, to give that safety to them and uh, share the gospel with them. And so uh, on the Warm Springs Reservation, uh, many kids already know and love Jesus, and some of them even love the church. Uh, at, at our old location, uh, where the Boys and Girls Club used to meet in Warm Springs, whenever we would show up at the beginning of the summer, at the beginning of each, each week of teams, uh, kids would come running up to the vans, and they'd always be like, it's the church people, it's the church people. We'd be really excited uh, to see them. And then, and then during the year, when, when the, the summer teams aren't coming through, they always ask the leaders at the Boys and Girls Club, oh, when are the, when are the church people coming back? Um, and throughout the years uh, that Evan, Holly, and I have, have led uh, work projects and kids clubs in Warm Springs, uh, we've heard kids in Warm Springs at the Boys and Girls Club say things like, the church people are my favorite people, or when I grow up, I want to be uh, just like the church people. And so many of these kids, uh, they already know and love Jesus because they've experienced Jesus' love and goodness through the love and care that they've experienced uh, through Jesus' people who have come on these one-week trips uh, and through the gospel that has been shared with them in word and actions. Uh, they, these kids know that they don't just matter to us, that ultimately they matter to God uh, and that our love for them is just a small picture of God's love. And so that's, that's an amazing thing to see that God has been working in the lives of people in Warm Springs throughout the year, even when we're only there for three or four weeks in the summer. And God has been at work, and people have been responding to Jesus' invitation to come to him. But something that's, that's heavy on all of our hearts, uh, Evan, Holly, and I, is that even though some of these kids know Jesus and they love his church, almost none of these kids has a church home where they, they can experience the embrace of God's love throughout the year. And most of them don't have that much access to the good news of God's love throughout the year. 
And so Jesus said, I will never throw out one who comes to me. And he said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. And God has been at work in Warm Springs. But not having a church home is a hindrance to many people coming to Jesus and experiencing his goodness and love. One of our, our big desires for a full-time ministry in Warm Springs is for many people to come to know the love of Jesus and find a home in his church where they can grow in grace and love for God and one another, where they can hear God's word and live it out in community, where they can have access to his ordinary means of grace. And we believe that, that among those that the Father has given to Jesus, that there are many people in Warm Springs right now and in generations to come. And we have faith that they will come to Jesus. And they will know a love that redeems them, that embraces them, and that will never cast them out or throw them away. God's love toward needy and sinful people is what all of us need. Um, but do you ever have moments of cynicism when you think that a love that, that always welcomes you and that never throws you out is too good to be true? And so how can we know that this good news is actually true news? And the answer that this passage gives us is in verses 38 through 39, uh, where Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. You see, before we came to him, Jesus came down to us. He came as a human and experienced all of our suffering and he felt the heavy weight of the world's brokenness. He lived a perfect life. Like verse 38 says, he came to do the Father's will. And he bore our sin on the cross, giving us his perfect obedience. The language of never being cast out in verse 37, it isn't just a picture of God's embrace. It also means uh, that if we believe in Jesus, we will never be condemned under God's righteous judgment. Jesus, God's perfect son, was cast out so that we could be brought into the Father's embrace and never fear being cast out. The good news that we believe is true because Jesus' work for us on the cross is already complete. In Jesus' incarnation, he was fully given to us. And in his crucifixion, he was fully given for us. Jesus being cast out is a sure basis on which he can guarantee that he will never cast out anyone who comes to him. Um, but just like Jesus' disposition toward us isn't the result of us coming to Jesus, uh, the Father's love for us also isn't the result of Jesus dying for us. It's the other way around. Jesus' death, death on the cross is an expression of the Father's love towards all that he has given the Son. It's the Father who sent Jesus as the bread from heaven to give life to the world. And I want to reiterate what we, what we already said earlier, that Jesus, our bread from heaven, is sufficient to meet your deepest need. The eternal life that he came to give you doesn't just start when he raises you up on the last day. It started the moment he brought you into fellowship with himself and the Father and the Spirit. And his intent for you is for you, for you to know the joy and fullness of life with him even now. Jesus is enough. There will be seasons, maybe you're in one right now, when you lose sight of how good Jesus truly is to you. When you feel like you've lost your hold, 
on Jesus. But Jesus will never lose a hold of you. And he will never cast you out or throw you away. In verse 39, Jesus said, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Jesus will not lose you. You will look upon the goodness of God in the land of the living. And on the last day, Jesus will raise you up with himself. No more besetting sin. No more chronic pain. No more loneliness. No more heartache. You will see your Savior face to face. And you will know him with all of who you are, just like he knows you fully. And you will experience fully the eternal life that he gives us a small taste of now. Jesus came down as the bread from heaven, more than enough to satisfy the deepest hunger of your soul, and more than enough to give life to the world. And Jesus gives us out uh, to nourish and bring life to those around us. Jesus, in his overflowing love, has promised to never, ever cast us out. So he doesn't cast us out, but he does send us out in his overflowing love uh, to move toward others so that they can also experience God's love toward needy sinners like us. In John chapter 20, when Jesus is giving his disciples the Holy Spirit, he tells them, as the Father sent me, uh, even so I am sending you. And as a church empowered by, by God's Spirit, we are also sent uh, to those around us. So my colleagues Evan and Holly Shaw and I, uh, we feel strongly that we're being sent to Warm Springs uh, to share the good news of Jesus' love there. And we're very humbled and privileged by that, that, by that opportunity and that responsibility. Uh, and our deep desire is to see many people in Warm Springs come alive in the love of God. And I also want to ask all of you, as a church and as individuals, how is God calling you uh, this week, uh, this season, to move toward others with his love? In your home, in your neighborhood, at your work, uh, or anywhere else. Ask God where he's sending you. Because just like God delights in embracing you, he delights in embracing others through you. Uh, so let's pray that he'll, he'll do that work. Uh, Jesus, thank you uh, for your love for us. Thank you that you promise uh, that you'll never uh, cast us out uh, if we come to you. And I pray f uh, this morning for anyone uh, who doesn't believe in you yet, uh, that they, they will know the truth, uh, that whoever believes in you will never thirst, uh, and that you will never cast them out. And I pray for those of us who are struggling to believe, uh, that you would help our weak faith, uh, that you would... Uh, Speak to our hearts and let us know uh, how deep your love is for us, uh, that you would also surround us with your body uh, so that we can know in embodied ways how much you love and care for us. And I pray that you'll move us out uh, toward others, that you'll give us eyes uh, to see people who are hurting around us, uh, and that uh, you'll work through your people uh, here in Newburgh uh, and around the Pacific Northwest. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.